Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So very glad to have you with us. All right, let me talk you down off the ledge. I, I was over at my best buddy's place. We watched the football game, thanks to his wife. She put out a nice spread and all those things, and it was it was one of those those frustrating one of those frustrating games. And I'll give you my observation quickly, and then we we're going to declare the show to be a Packers free zone. But my, as I was saying to S- Stephen Carroll just a minute ago, I I was. Of course, incredibly bummed out because unlike some years with the failures in the NFC Championship game, I really, I thought the Packers were the best team. I understand they lost, and I'm, I'm not whining about that. I thought that they were a better team, and I thought that they should have won. And and you had th- those huge breakdowns, that the, the giving up the 60-yard touchdown pass on the last play of the first half, and then the fumble that leads at the start of the second half that leads directly to the touchdown. J- just too much to overcome. So I, I so I, it was, it was kind of hard because I'm thinking there, okay, it's not like last year where San Francisco was clearly the better team. It, this, this was a game that I thought that they should have won. But anyhow, so I'm really bummed out. I'm, I leave right as the there's they're kneeling down it takes me about 15 minutes to get from my buddy's house to where i live and i'm kind of stewing on this grumble 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 hate to have the season end get home pull in the garage open the door there's the dog the dog just running out she's just jumping up and down she doesn't know whether the packers won or lost she she is just happy to see me and then i'm happy that i'm going to like take her out and give her a treat and so i spend about five or ten minutes you know playing ball with her i i call my wife she's coming back tomorrow you know she's been out of town for a couple weeks coming back tomorrow and she's like are you all right i'm, I'm okay and then it, it occurs to me that this is the amazing thing about sports because I look I I understand that there were tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of Packers fans in Wisconsin and all across the world that were really incredibly bummed out just like I was but the truth of the matter is you know that the sun came up today you know that the people that loved you still loved you you know your all those good things you got going on in your life they they just they they they're, they're still there and I understand that we get all wrapped up in the world of sports and in following these things, but you know, unless unless you're actively a participant or something like that, it really it doesn't affect. It might affect our outlook, but it doesn't affect our our day to day lives. And that just made me feel a little bit better. Then I sat down on Twitter and I sent out this tweet. If you follow me, it's at Jeff Wagner six twenty. Um, my my overall thoughts about the game, even though I'm kind of over it, um. Why do I think 4th and 8 in 2021 may ultimately be to Matt LaFleur what 4th and 26 was to Mike Sherman? I mean, seriously, how how can a guy who's had the pedal to the metal all year decide that he's not going to give the team a chance to score the tying touchdown? It was just, I, I think it was a brain-dead decision. Also, what are the odds that any combination of Kevin King who has obviously played his last game as a Packer. His contract is expired and might have played his last game in the National Football League. Defensive coach Mike Pettin, who inexplicably has the team in man-to-man coverage on the last play of the first half, allowing Kevin King to get beat like a rented mule. 
And whoever coaches the not-so-special teams will be back next year. I mean, all year, the one weakness the Packers really had, the special teams were just awful. So, Kevin, what are the odds that any combination of Kevin King, Mike Pettin, and whoever the special teams coaches, any of them back, Rue, next year? Any of them back? Certainly not Kevin King. He's gone. No, I don't. I don't see it happening for any of them. They're all gone. Gone. Just, just absolutely. That, that's an easy one. They've got a couple tough free agent decisions to make. Do you keep um, All Pro Center Corey Lindsley? Do you spend the money on Lindsley, who's the center, or do you spend it trying to keep Aaron Jones or Jamal Williams? Um, and and if you can only keep one, which one do you keep? The answer is Corey Lindsley. You keep him. You got to, especially with Bakhtiari out for the first half of the season next year. You got to have Corey Lindsley protecting Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, you'd like to try to keep some of the other ones. I don't know if that's going to be possible. And then, of course, the rumors are that Aaron Rodgers, you know, who is clearly bummed out. You know, and you under, I understand we are all bummed out. But, you know, I understand why Aaron Rodgers is. There's all this, well, Aaron Rodgers retire. Aaron Rodgers isn't going anywhere. I mean, he's, he wants, he, he was, he was just emotionally worn out. But he will be back next year. But I think Kevin King, Mike Pettin, and whoever coaches the not-so-special teams will not be. And I think it's going to be a long time for Matt LaFleur to live down the um, fourth and eighth. All right. With that, the sun came up today. The people that love you, like I say, continue to love you, and um, it, it's, you know, we, we all get on with our lives. Um, yeah, lots of people, uh, somebody said, what sun? Uh, trust me, the sun did, in fact, come up. You know, life, life goes on, but it is the amazing amazing thing that um, you we, we just get all so wrapped up in, in sports that it really, at the end of the day, it doesn't make any difference in most of our lives, but we, we follow it. All right. Over the weekend, and we've got a lot of ground to cover on today's program, wanna, I, I, I commented on something, again, via Twitter. You can follow me at Jeff Wagner 620 because it, it's a little thing, but it raises, it goes into a larger issue. Um, there was a story in the newspaper yesterday. It was on the print edition yesterday or two days ago. It was about Kyle Rittenhouse. Rittenhouse is, of course, the 18-year-old, then 17-year-old kid in Kenosha who went to the riots on the third night armed with a gun, ended up shooting and killing two people and, and seriously injuring a third. So if you will remember, Rittenhouse was with his mother, in some bar celebrating his 18th birthday. We, we, we talked about that. He was posing, making white supremacist signs and things like that, which raised the issue of, you know, is the kid being raised by Wolverines? I mean, seriously, who takes the 18-year-old kid who's looking at double life in prison out to a bar? He's wearing a T-shirt that says... Um, free as and it's got a word that i can't say on on the radio and then he's posing with white supremacists and making these different signs it's like okay what parent allows him to to do that well anyhow the story is how the judge now he's out on bail the judge uh, changed his bail conditions to prohibit him from um associating with like white supremacists <laughs> okay all right which is is all well and good okay so that's fine i don't have any problems with any of that but what caught my attention was a a paragraph it's the third paragraph in the story and it's written by the associated press and it's it's reprinted in the journal sentinel in its entirety here's the third paragraph listen to this 
prosecutors allege Rittenhouse, who is white, left his home in Antioch, Illinois, and traveled to Kenosha to answer a call for militia to protect businesses. Okay, fine. Kenosha was in the throes of several nights of chaotic street demonstrations after a white officer shot Jacob Blake in the back during a domestic disturbance, leaving Blake paralyzed. Let me read that sentence again. Kenosha was in the throes of several nights of chaotic street demonstrations. Chaotic street demonstrations. Do, do I need to say it again? Chaotic street demonstrations. The, the mainstream media just can't help itself. In the story about mail, mail modifications for Rittenhouse, the AP describes the Kenosha riots as chaotic street demonstrations. Okay, what was the attack on the Capitol two and a half weeks ago a chaotic street demonstration? No, it it, it, it was an insurrection. That's the term that's being thrown around. It, it was a riot. All right, Kenosha, a chaotic street demonstration. I mean, give me a break. But here you have the mainstream media that, that just simply cannot bring itself to say, okay, that this was not this sort of like feel-good protest. I mean, what happened in Kenosha was a flat-out riot. Millions of dollars in damage, looting, arson, widespread destruction, complete anarchy for at least the first two nights, National Guard troopers, police officers being injured, a chaotic street demonstration. I mean, what, what, what the heck is, is that? It was a riot. But the Associated Press can't bring itself to call what happened in Kenosha a, a riot. And, and I think they beclown themselves. And this leads to me where I want to start off our conversation. Megan Kelly, remember her? Megan Kelly, who was at Fox News and then went over and had an epic fail at, at NBC where they, they tried to reinvent her. She's getting all sorts of static because she does this interview and she says, look, I mean, here, here's the deal. Said all, all this, all this stuff that happened at the Capitol. I, I, I denounce all the rioters, the insurrectionists, what, whatever. But one of the things that fueled it, along with Donald Trump, was what was the the media's coverage of of Trump. It's, he says, like the the media hated him so much. They checked their objectivity. It wasn't just CNN. All of them did. They just couldn't check their own personal feelings about him. Part of the reason we saw what happened at the Capitol here two weeks ago is because there has been a complete lack of trust, a destruction of trust in the media, and people don't know where to turn for true information. She said, look, there's a sentiment that journalists needed to cover Trump differently, that you needed to outwardly call him a racist, a sexist, a misogynist, all of it. And that was important for history. And I think too many journalists agreed with that at their own peril. So I I was kind of tying these two things together. And and by the way, I, I don't blame the media for, you know, what happened in Washington, D.C. two and a half weeks ago. That That's not the point of it. The point is you have a mainstream media who has just checked its objectivity at, at the door. 
You saw that in the coverage of Trump. You see it in the difference in the coverage of like some of the activities and the rioting that went on this summer, where instead of calling the Kenosha riots a riot, we come up with a phrase chaotic street demonstration, which to me, I've never heard of that. I, I don't even know what that means. But it wasn't a chaotic street demonstration. It was a riot. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. There's a lot of distrust of the mainstream media that's out there. Some of that has clearly been fostered by people who've decided to take on the the mainstream media. Okay, But part of it, I, I think, has been brought on members of the media have brought some of this on themselves. And when they complain, gee, people don't know where to turn for honest information and people don't trust us. Well, doesn't the media share a little bit of blame for that? And the best example I can, we're calling the Kenosha riots chaotic street demonstrations because, Lord forbid, if we call them riots, we might offend somebody. 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, now, by the way, I, I, I want to be clear here. I am not suggesting, and I don't think Megan Kelly was suggesting that the it was the media that was to blame for what happened at the state capitol at the U.S. Capitol two and a half weeks ago. But here, here's the problem that's out there: when you have a mainstream media that completely and totally goes in the tank for or against an issue or for or against a politician, what happens is automatically you're going to have a lot of people that then begin to doubt the information that they're getting. So we wonder, okay, well, why why did people think the election was stolen? All right, well, why? And the media says, no, 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 this didn't happen. And, and I don't think the election was stolen either. But the point of the matter is that if, if for months or years you've had biased coverage based on a particular perspective, well, then at some point in time, there's going to be people that, that just tune out. They're, they're not going to want to listen to this. They're not going to believe it. They're going to say, well, I can't trust this. I can't trust that. And yeah, I do think that members of the mainstream media have play a role in that. And that's one of the things that's going on. And again, you you see it in big ways. You, you see it in little ways where you, we that the example I was just giving a couple minutes ago, where we're, we're describing the whole Kyle Rittenhouse Kenosha thing. And we can't call the riots in Kenosha riots. We call them chaotic street demonstrations, whatever the heck that is. And so the reaction that people have is, well, Okay, that wasn't a chaotic street demonstration. I, I, I've never heard a phrase like that. It's just we, we can't call riots riots. And that's the, the problem, and that's where the distrust comes. Here's a text, Jeff. Correct. Zero objectivity from day one. However, the media gained uh, more and more hate Trump viewers every time the audacious Trump behavior played right into their role. Well, I, and, and I don't I don't disagree with it. That's one of the things that's going to be really interesting to see how it all plays out, because the, the from a, a journalistic perspective, what you had, I think, over the last four years, and, and Trump brought a lot of it on himself. Look, I, I get all that. But what you had is you had journalism that took a backseat to economics. And this is the best example I can give. If you look at the ratings for CNN and the ratings for MSNBC and the subscriptions for the New York Times and the Washington Post, they went through the roof. 
Trump made them a ton of money because, for example, the New York Times became the we hate Trump organ. And, you know, if you hated Trump and you wanted to have your, you know, your your point of view reinforced, well, you, you subscribe to the New York Times and, and you read that. And, yeah, that this is it. This is how awful the guy is. And you sell these subscriptions. Now that he's gone, I, I don't know what the next step is going to be, because now that they're not going to have Trump to kick around, to use the Nixonian phrase. Now, after a few months and, you know, I mean, Trump's not going anywhere in the immediate future. But but, you know, after the impeachment, at, at some point in time, he's not going to be page one news and anymore and i think what you're going to find is is the mainstream media they're going to see that a lot of those people who came in to to watch their coverage of Donald Trump, now they're going to recognize, oh, there's nothing really here to read. I, I don't want to, how many more of these glowing stories about, you know, how great Joe Biden is and how wonderful Nancy Pelosi is. That That's not going to sell newspapers and it's not going to sell subscriptions. And that's going to be the problem. I'm just saying that what happened over the last several years has been this lack of objectivity and th- this spin that gets put into m- even mainstream news stories where you can't call a riot a riot and you have to call it a chaotic street demonstration. I mean, you know, seriously? Well, okay. Um, some breaking news here. The, um, the spring training, now the football season, at least for the Green Bay Packers, has just come to an end. The spring training for the Brewers, pitchers and catchers were supposed to report mid-February. What was the date? February 12th, something like that. They were supposed to report. And then, of course, you know, right now the baseball season is supposed to start very late March or early April. The mayors of the various communities in Arizona, where they hold a lot of the spring training. Spring training is held in Arizona and in Florida. More teams are in Arizona. But the mayors of cities hosting teams around the Phoenix area have requested that the start of training camps be postponed because of the severity of the spread of the coronavirus in Arizona. So they're asking it be put back. Um, no real date as to how far back they want to push it. But obviously, if you push spring training back, two, three, four weeks. What that means is opening day gets pushed back two, three, four weeks. No decision right now from Major League Baseball as to what they're going to do. But um, again, uh, for people who are planning opening day, late March, early April, might not happen. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Hey, today... We bring back what has become a regular... I do not know how many years we've been doing this. Certainly 10, probably more. So thanks to all our great sponsors, and thanks to you for patronizing our great sponsors. Um, we, we bring the return of our Home Improvement Showcase. It started out years and years ago as featuring like home improvement things. We did it in the fall. It was the Jeff Wagner Fall in Love with Your Home thing. And then it became so popular that we started doing it into the spring as well. So today we bring it back. This week's sponsor for Jeff Wagner's Home Improvement Showcase is is our presenting sponsor, Great Midwest Bank. Great Midwest Bank is your simply local equal housing home renovation lender. Check them out at greatmidwestbank.com. We'll be talking to somebody from Great Midwest Bank in just a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, I tell you, one of the great things, and it's one of the reasons I'm so excited when we do the home improvement stuff is – 
especially given the last year or so where, where people haven't been able to leave their homes. I think it's a time where lots of people kind of look around and say, well, okay, maybe this needs to be done or that needs to be done. Over the course of the next couple months, we'll be telling you about great sponsors that can help you get that stuff that needs to be done, done. So check it out. Okay, so I told you, I, over the weekend, I'm talking to a couple of my friends who are both Well, they've hit that magic age of 65 where they are eligible for that socialized medicine I've been hearing about all all through my my lifetime. Um, What they're also eligible with, or at least theoretically, if you live in Wisconsin, starting, well, starting, was it today? I guess January 25th, starting January 25th, um, people who are 65 and older are eligible to get the COVID vaccine. And, and my friends who I was talking to, they have they are very, very COVID conscious and they have they they've essentially been been hibernating for the better part of the last nine or ten months. I mean they've they've been going very, very few places because they don't want to get it. And uh, at least there's some concerns about some underlying health issues and I, I certainly respect that. So the news that people sixty five and older could could get it was really, really good news. All right. My my friends, they they have even though they're husband and wife, they have their their health providers are different networks. Um my my buddy, my my male buddy, he goes through Freighter. He's 65 years old. He gets a notice from Freighters the other day saying you can make an appointment to come in and get your vaccination. And I think he scheduled his appointment for uh, later on this week. I forget if it was Wednesday or Thursday. Meanwhile, his wife, who does not go through Freighter, goes to another health care provider. She, she's got no notifications. So she calls up the, the health care provider and says, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in getting this. And they say, we have no clue. We have no idea. We, we, we have no idea when you might be in line. And then she says, well, my, my husband, you know, he, he's over at Freighter. He, he's going to be getting his in a couple days. And they say, well, I mean, sorry, lady, we, we just we don't know. We, we, we can't help you out. Um, there was a story in the paper. The headline is people 65 or older could wait weeks or months for the vaccine if you live in Waukesha, Washington, or Ozaki County. Officials in Waukesha, Washington, and Ozaki counties are stressing patience after the state announced that people 65 and older will be eligible to receive the COVID-19 vaccine starting January 25th. Yeah, they said you're eligible, but nobody has it. So if people don't have it, you're kind of out of luck. Story continues. But it could be weeks or even months before those age 65 or older can receive their first dose of the vaccine. Residents 65 and older in Washington and Ozaki counties can use an online form to register for an appointment for the coronavirus vaccine, um, while Waukesha County is encouraging its residents who already have a health care provider to wait on a call from that provider. In other words, don't call us, we'll call you. Which leads to another headline in the Journal Sentinel over the last couple of days that caught my attention. Every man for himself. <laughs> Wisconsin's vaccine rollout has been confusing and frustrating. Health officials promise it will get better. Yes, they are from the government and they are here to help you. All right. Look, I understand that, that part of the problem here is the fact that you, you don't have enough vaccine to go around. I, I get it. And it's going to be perhaps an even more acute problem that we're now not holding back vaccines because initially you need two doses for it to be effective. And so the idea was we're going to hold back. We're going to 
if every, everybody who gets one dose, we're going to guarantee that person's going to get another one in the time that they're supposed to, three or four weeks. Well, now they've, they've kind of abandoned that thinking, and now it's a real free-for-all. We're going to give everybody that first shot, and then we're going to hope a couple weeks from now that we're going to have enough vaccine to go around. All right. I, I think that's going to turn out to be a poor decision, but I mean, only time will tell. I'm, I'm hoping that's not the case. But it has been interesting. And look, I'm, I'm not... I'm not in line for the vaccine. So this isn't this is I'm way down. I'm way down the list. But if I were somebody who was 65 or older or 70 or older or 80 or older and I was waiting and waiting and waiting and still had no idea of when I was going to be vaccinated or where I I would say that there's got to be a better way. And I think the best way to describe what has happened in Wisconsin thus far has been exactly what this headline says. Every man or woman for themselves, you are on your own. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We had months to prepare for this. We had months to get organized. Now, we, we didn't know for sure when the vaccines were going to hit. And we didn't know for sure how many doses that we were going to have. But the, to, to describe the the distribution system that's been set up as catch-as-catch-can, haphazard, chaotic, I think would be an insult to the phrases catch-as-catch-can ha- um, you know, and chaotic. Um, it, shouldn't we have been able to do better? And for those of you, if you've been trying to get vaccinated or you have loved ones who've been trying to get vaccinated, or you have parents or grandparents who've been trying to get vaccinated, couldn't we have figured out a a better way to get this organized? Because, again, what's been going on here, to call a Chinese fire drill would be to insult Chinese fire drills. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in a moment. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. See, I, I understand the fact that, that, that there are shortages. I, I get it, and that means that some people are going to have to wait. What I, I think is unforgivable, though, is the fact that it is such a cluster, you know what, that, that nobody knows how to get it. Nobody knows where to go. I mean, the story in the pay, and, and that, I think, is fair to, you know, you start with the state, and you say, okay, you know, we understand we're going to have a limited amount of this, but how, given the fact that you had months and months and months to get a dist- distribution center theory organized and to figure out how people were going to be able to go get this, how how can it have turned into such a quagmire? I mean, here's the way the Journal Sentinel story starts. Um, Kim Rudat picked up his phone as soon as he read the news that 70-year-olds like him would soon be eligible for a vaccine against a virus he can't afford to get. He called his pharmacist, who told him to go to a website, but the website didn't have any instructions. Then he tried his health clinic. No answers there either. He was told to wait for an email that would come when his health care providers were ready, which wasn't this week. It likely won't be next week either. Even the State Department of Health Services website that he scoured for weeks hasn't been helpful. Well, there's a lot of information there, but it really wasn't getting to what I wanted to know, and that is, how do I get the vaccine? There seemed like to a lot of smoke and mirrors. See, this is the thing, and I understand the shortages. I, I get it, that, that people have to wait, but we don't appear to have any 
organized distribution system that, that's out there. And that, I think, is what's so incredibly frustrating, that people people just don't know. And then it's haphazard. I, I've got a note from somebody saying that their 80-year-old mother in a nursing home hasn't been able to get it, and yet they're hearing stories of 65-year-olds who are getting calls from their providers, like my friend, saying, hey, you can set up an appointment. You know, it's there has to be a better way, and we we had months and months and months to figure out what that better way would be, and we didn't. Let's start with Mike on the northwest side. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hi, good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, yeah, the weird thing about this, uh, I'm I'm 65, and I got an email from Creator this past weekend, so I scheduled an appointment, which starts the week of February 1st. My, I'm assuming that once those appointments are all filled up, that they're gonna you know, wait till the next round of uh, immunization comes in to schedule mm-hmm. more appointments. But it's like a first come, first serve for getting those. So that's how I got in. My neighbor across from me, uh, he's 60s, upper 60s or something like that. I don't know who he's got, but he went to Meyer's grocery stores or whatever, and right. he signed up to get it. He got an appointment there. So right. I don't know if you can just go to Meyer's or Walgreens and sign up to show them that you're over 65 and get in line. Well, right, and and, and I really I, don't know. Well, and see, Mike, I don't know the answer to that either. But you would, <laughs> but but you would think that the, the the state, where if we all agree that we've got an interest in trying to get as many people vaccinated as possible, you would think that that the state would have some plan and some place where people could go to easily find out. Hey, I qualify for the vaccine. This is where I. This is where I'm going to go. Whether it's a Meyer or whether it's a, a CVS or whether it's a Walgreens or or whatever, you know. It's but but nobody knows, and I think that's that's the frustration. Plus, if you have people, Mike, who are not in, what I really wonder about is the people who aren't internet savvy. You know, the, the people, let's say that that eighty-year-old who's been, you know, in, in their own apartment and, and maybe isn't as good as surfing the surfing the net as somebody else is. You know, what? Where do they find this stuff? I mean, how do they get the information, even though they should have been in the first wave? That that's. Yeah. And nobody's dealing with them. I think they're SOL. Um, thanks for well. I I mean you, you you don't know, but you hope not. Um, Jeff, I know someone who works for Freighter already had COVID. Works from home since March. Only in the forties, they were already vaccinated. Uh, Jeff, hey Jeff, where's Tony Evers on this? He's the guy that said he would fix everything. Well, I I think there's um. You know, I mean, I think there is an element to that. And again, I understand. That's why there's not enough vaccine to go around. So people have to be patient. People have to wait. But the big problem now is people don't know where they can go to get it. And there's a lot of people that I think would otherwise be entitled to this that are being left behind. Um, Jeff, if Scott Walker was still a governor, all you would hear about it, how it's his, his fault, but not a lot of attention on the Evers situation. Um, yes, Jeff, there should be one centralized website. Enter first name, last name, email, phone, birthday, zip card. You get an email and text when your name comes up. You have 24 hours to get in. You don't do it. They go to the next person. Um, right. I, I mean, Something like that. Some and look, and I don't know what the best way to have done this is. But of course, I'm not getting paid the big money to make that decision. Jeff, the Door County Medical Center announced vaccine appointments would open at 3 p.m. last Wednesday. Guess what? The medical system uh, computer system crashed. 
Um, yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it crashed. Um, Jeff, it's coming down to word of mouth to find out where one can get the vaccine. It most certainly adds to one's stress level, which is not healthy ever, uh, either. The word panic comes to mind. Jeff, 80-year-old friends told their medical facility that they didn't have a computer or internet. The response was, well, find somebody with a computer to register. <laughs> and, oh, that I wonder how many people are legitimately being left behind by this if the response is, well, you got to go online to register for these things. Well, okay, I'm, I'm not Internet savvy. I'm not computer savvy. Um, you know, where, where does this go? Jeff, the state of Wisconsin should have had priority categories identified months ago. It seems like a contributing factor to this free for all right now. The state decided only a week ago that 65 plus were going to be eligible for vaccinations. Everyone is scrambling now to respond. It is incredibly poor planning. Um, yes, I, I think, you know, th- that's it. It's incredibly poor planning and that's where i think it's fair to blame you know people who've had months to at least figure out what the system was going to be understanding that part of the problem is we don't have enough to go around fred on the west side fred you're on wtmj yeah hi jeff i like your program thank you sir. um i sense the, I, I sense the urgency in your voice and, and and what you uh you know relate to us and the anxiety out there uh and, and my following this, you know, just this morning, as Dr. Burke, you know, uh, she reported that um, early on she wasn't getting, you know, correct information from the top, and, and now she's embarrassed and her career is, you know, in tatters because of this. So those things started started at the top without mentioning, you know, other names and, and pointing fingers. Um, what we need, obviously, as has been mentioned, is a centralized, you know, agency. We need to get FEMA involved, you know, right away from, from the get-go to deal with it. You know, those are the facts, you know, that we have to deal with. The urgency is there. You know, the panic is there. Mm-hmm. The anxiety, all of those things are, are there. And uh, I, I think, you know, we have someone in office now that r- realizes that, you know, the mess that is, you know, started from some time ago, as you mentioned, you know, and I'm 79 myself, you know, so I've had the same anxiety. Mm-hmm. I've called uh, my my doctor's office. I, I've called the health department. The local health department really it is not up, up to snuff. They don't have, you know, uh, correct yeah. information. Yeah. My, my doctor, my doctor, you know, says that, you know, uh, to, like you say, to call back, uh, but we will call, or not to call back, we will yeah. call you. Yeah, and uh, just wait, be know. patient, yeah. So, yeah, no. and so, so, you know, so so the mess is there, you know. You know, from a bit, I worked in uh, the business world, you know, for 15 years, you know, for, like for Clark Oil, and, and, um, uh, and I worked for the county, and uh, I can tell that, you know, Emory Clark, you know, he had all these gas stations, you know, but he was the central planner, you know, and he gave the, the orders for everybody to follow suit, you right. know. No, Fred, thanks and, for calling. No, I get what you're saying. Uh, no, I mean, it, I, I get what you're saying. And I, again, I, I, I'm not smart enough to know what, what the plan should have been. But I, but I am, I do know that there should have been some 
centralized, if not centralized, some organized way to make sure that the vaccines were going to be prioritized and delivered. I, I'm, these, these texts I'm getting are, are heartbreaking. Jeff, my 94-year-old dad in assisted living is still waiting. Send an email to Evers Cricket, Crickets. All the home administrator has been given is the statement that Walgreens will contact you. Um, okay, uh, Jeff, I called three different places, um, and they got our name on a list at least, at least that that's a, a start. Um, Jeff, Freighter has its stuff together. Not surprised at all that they're the first to get their vaccine clinic open to, you know, everybody over 65. Jeff, another government program screwed up. What a surprise. Um, yeah, well, that's, you know, and, and we want government to run all our health care. Jeff, I have elderly friends who were in tears because they don't have computer access and could not get through on the phone. Um, Jeff, my health carrier is Freighter at Medical College, Wisconsin. I'm getting my first dose this Saturday. My dad, who is 94, no cell phone, no computer, how is he going to be identified? Jeff, I had to register my mom, who lives in Hawaii, on my chart and get her an appointment um, all from Wisconsin. My mom does not have a computer or a smartphone. I had to call her doctor, and they called me from Hawaii to get her on the my chart. That's the freighter system. Uh, that, that's all of it. What is the ability to get all the vaccine out of its container from a flat surface? I, you know, Then they're just talking about that. But look, here again, here, here's the bottom line. I don't claim to have all the answers, but what what has our government, what have been the people responsible? And if you want to start on the federal level, fine. And then we, we look at the state level. What have they been doing over the last five or six months to avoid this problem that we're having, to have some idea so that people could know what they could do. Now, look, if, if you're in a healthcare system that's, that's called you and let you set up appointments, that's great. That, that, that's absolutely tremendous. But that's not the situation where a lot of people are in. And this idea that you've got people running around and you've got the 35-year-old who works at home, IT person that's pushing ahead of the 94-year-old who's in the assisted living facility who doesn't have a computer, that, that's wrong. And that's that's on government, period. Tony Evers, are you listening? Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. <clears throat> Welcome back. So glad to have you with us. For everybody who says, "Well, Joe Biden's only been president for five days," and 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 you've you've you're you're not somebody that's promoting unity. You, you've taken issue with him. And and to me, unity, as I discussed last week, unity doesn't mean okay, roll over and and, and you know scratch people's belly. Unity means all right, maybe civility. But if, if you disagree with a $15 minimum wage, for example, doesn't mean you're not, you know, in favor of a united country. If you decide that you don't think that that's good, you want to oppose it. Or if you disagree with a proposal that would take all 11 million people who are in this country illegally and give them all of them a pathway, not just to permanent residency, but to citizenship. I don't think that's that's unity. That's being part of the principled opposition. But having said that, there is something that Joe Biden is doing as of today that I completely, totally, 100 percent agree with. Now, I, I am not one of these guys that believes in, you know, building walls um, to try to screen us off from the rest of the world, whether it's a 
physical wall or a metaphysical wall. I mean, I think we have to recognize that we are part of a global economy. And I understand he's rolling out these ideas of, you know, buy American first, which is pretty similar to what President Trump did. But 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 that's that's okay. At the same time, we also have to understand that we're in a global economy and, you know, we we sell stuff to Europe and we sell stuff to China and we sell stuff to Canada and we sell stuff to Mexico. And if we start to put up huge barriers, yeah, it, it makes it if, and, and force people to buy stuff in the U.S., that, that's great, but then they respond, and, you know, big picture, I'm not sure it gets us where we're getting it. But when it comes to our response to the worldwide pandemic, I am in favor, at least, of metaphysical walls. Now, I, I know we we all like to see things through our own prism. We when we When we look at the COVID cases, we look first at, you know, what are the numbers in Wisconsin? Because that, that, that affects those of us who live in Wisconsin. Or if you're listening to me in Florida, you're listening to me in Las Vegas or whatever, you, you know, you, you look at, okay, what, what's the local thing? Cause, cause that's the biggest impact. And then we look at, okay, what are the number of COVID cases in the country? We, that's what we focus on. Well, as somebody who, because of what I do, you know, checks a lot of stuff from all over the world, I will tell you that the, the pandemic, it's bad in the U.S., but it's bad in all sorts of other places as well. It's running rampant in Europe. Uh, Great Britain, they pretty much closed down the borders. In a number of European countries, what they've done is they've instituted some very, very draconian rules that are creating all sorts of problems. Um, in France, there is a strict curfew of 6 o'clock at night. You're not allowed to be out after 6 o'clock at night. And if you're out during the day, it's for very limited purposes, and, and you have to have passes and things like that. It's it, it's almost like World War II when you see the movies where people go, papers, do you have your papers? Th- th- this is how Europe is responding. Story over the weekend, um, in, in the Netherlands, of, of all places, um, Amsterdam, which is one of It's a great city. It's one of my favorite cities in the world. Police used water cannons and dogs in Amsterdam over the weekend because people had gathered to protest. They have a curfew in place in in Amsterdam. It's 9 o'clock at night to 4.30 in the morning, and it's set to last for another couple weeks. It it got so bad with the protest, people saying they were just opposed to this, that that they weren't going to participate, and you had dogs and water cannons that were being used on people in in the Netherlands, in Amsterdam. I bring this up only to say that there is a huge worldwide problem. And, and yes, we are wrestling with this here in the United States, but other countries are wrestling with it as well. Mexico is going through a, a huge surge. The president of Mexico just announced that he'd come down with COVID. I have a couple of dear friends, Alan and Patty, who um, have been in Arizona. They're scheduled to come back at the end of the month, and they were going to go to Mexico for a couple of weeks. They, nah, <laughs> they just decided not to, in, in part because this is all you know, it's running rampant in Mexico. But also the the other concern is, hey, if, if you do go to some of these places and it gets worse, not only could you get sick and do you want to get sick in a foreign country, but also, you know, what what happens? Are you going to be able to get back into the country? Which brings me to what Joe Biden did today, issued an executive order which reinstated something that President Trump had put in effect but had lifted. The new order that goes into effect today bans entry into the U.S. on nearly all non-U.S. travelers who have been in Brazil, South Africa, the United Kingdom, Ireland, 
and 26 countries in Europe that allow travel across open borders. So in other words, it's not a question of, of quarantine. It's a question of if you are if you're coming in from France, if you're trying to come in from the Great Britain, break from Great Britain, from Ireland, you know, Italy, fill in the blanks, you're not going to be allowed in. You're as with very very limited exceptions. Now, right now, this doesn't apply to U.S. citizens who are trying to come back from those countries. My understanding is that U.S. citizens can still come back, but there's strict quarantine rules. But we are essentially, for the time being, closing our borders to people traveling into the United States from various parts of the world, primarily in this case, Europe. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Your reaction. Mine, I say you go, Joe. I mean, here is is the bottom line. This is a worldwide problem. But there are some scary variations of this virus that that are going through Europe right now. They're going across the world right now. And I understand that the, the people who've made the vaccine, they're coming out and they're saying, well, we're testing this and we think that the vaccine that we have right now, we think it's going to be good against some of these variations that are more um, likely to they're, they're, they're more likely to, to spread and be more infectious and things like that. Our number 855-616-1620. Until we get a handle and are able to figure out a way to get more people vaccinated. And until we can be reasonably certain, certain, nothing's 100%, but until we can be reasonably certain that the vaccines are going to work against the strain that is prevalent in the United States and all these new strains that are popping up across the world, until we do that, I think it is only prudent to say, look, we're going to put a stop on international travel. And and sorry, but if, if you want to come into the United States, it's not going to happen right now. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think Biden is getting this absolutely, totally, 100% right for the time being. It's time to cut down, if not halt, international travel. Hopefully 30 days from now, we won't have this conversation. But right now, there's no reason for people from Great Britain or France or South Africa or any of these other places, Ireland, there's no reason for people to be coming into this country. It's just too risky. 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff Biden's decision is correct. It doesn't matter what country it is. The government's main responsibility is to protect its citizens. Politics need to be set aside and do what's best for the nation. This needs to be a team um, message, Jeff. Especially with the vaccine rollout going slow, this is a prudent move by Biden. Interestingly, though. Remember, everybody said that Trump was a racist when he did this. Well, I, I understand that's the double standards that are, you know, out there. Jeff, I think travel restrictions do no good when the virus is worldwide. All countries should just drop all travel restrictions. Well, to me, that doesn't make any sense. And, and I'll tell you why. First of all, 
the, the more that you have traveling, the more spread that you're going to be have. But, but secondly, there's different variations that are going across the world. And look, I'm not naive enough. For example, you know, Great Britain has this new strain that, that's going through Great Britain, which has resulted in some really, really heavy-duty close-downs. We, I'm not saying we don't have examples of that in the United States, but it's not widespread right now. Why in the world would you open up the borders to people who might have been exposed to this more infectious type of disease to have them come here? Especially until you know for sure that the vaccines that we are slowly, slowly, slowly rolling out until we know for sure that the vaccines that we have are going to be good against some of these new strains. Now, the, the early indications are yes, and that, that's very, very good news. And I certainly hope that's the case. But, you know, at, at the same time, I think it's a situation where you, you, you don't want that new strain to be coming in. Jeff, all air travel should be shut down. If schools and restaurants can't open, then the airlines should not be operating. Well, I don't agree with that at all. I mean, it's the schools, by the way, lots of schools, not MPS, not Chicago, but lots of schools are, in fact, opening and have been open for a long time. Lots of restaurants are, are open and have, in fact, been open. You can't shut down air travel that brings the country to a complete and total halt. What you can do is you can try to make air travel smarter. And I don't know that you see any you know, empirical studies that suggest that, you know, that people on planes are any more likely to transmit and spread the disease as long as you're domestically, as long as you're traveling domestically. I don't know that you see any evidence that empirically demonstrates that just because you're on a flight from Austin to Omaha, that you're more likely then to infect everybody in Austin or in Omaha or vice versa. So I, I, you have to have a balancing. You cannot shut down air travel in this country because you would just absolutely destroy the economy. Jeff, so domestic flights can be packed 100% full of passengers, but there's an issue with international um, flights all the while, outdoor venues like Lambeau Field is limited to 10 capacity. Um, okay, 10% capacity. Well, the difference with the international flights is it's not people on the airline, on the airplane, like flying from the United Kingdom to LaGuardia getting sick. It's people who might have picked up a variation of this disease, this virus that is running rampant in Great Britain, coming into the United States, interacting with people, and then bringing that strain of virus to them. That's that's why you got the shutdowns. Um, Jeff, I agree with Biden on this, but how do you justify limiting travel restriction, lifting travel restrictions on, on Muslim countries? Well, again, t- to me, right now, I don't justify it. What right now they are focusing on is the countries where you have this new strain of virus that is spreading like wildfire that has necessitated all these, again, draconian shutdowns. Great Britain, they close, France, they close everything at six. Great Britain, I believe they close everything at six. Like I say, police dogs and water cannons to deal with protesters in Amsterdam because they close everything at nine o'clock. We don't want to get to that point. And so perhaps by limiting people from overseas coming into the country, you can help us avoid getting to that point. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
so very glad to have you with us. You know, there, there's there's some jobs that sound really cool, and most years they probably are really cool. And then there's 2020 and 2021. I would think to be Bob Babish, you know, the, the talent booker, the guy that books all the bands for, for Summerfest, that, that's a pretty cool job. And, and, and by the way, it, it is it is a job. You know, you've got a lot of different schedules that you have to deal with and stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, you're working with musical acts, and especially if you have a love for music like Bob has, that it would be a lot of fun. The problem is what happens in like a year like 2020 where everything gets canceled? And, you know, you, you keep, okay, first of all, we're going to put the lineup together for Summerfest in June of 2020, and then that all goes to you-know-where. So we're going to reschedule Summerfest for September, and then we're going to put together the lineup, and that doesn't work. So this year, of course, you've got Summerfest, which is supposed to be over three weekends for the first time in June and July. You hadn't heard the story, though. Um, Summerfest in June of this year, has just lost its first entertainer. Um, Halsey has canceled her summer tour um, for the second year in a row. She was supposed to play the American Family Insurance Amphitheater on July 3rd, and she's saying, we, we've just we've canceled the tour. We just don't see how this can work. Now, she's done it early, but my guess is... Here we're at the end of January, depending again on how the rollout for all this stuff works. My, my guess is you're, you're going to see more performers do exactly the, the same thing, raising these questions about, you know, how, how can we go back? Can you have these different venues? And I know Summerfest is working on plan A and plan B and, and plan C, but the, the longer the situation goes on and the more, you know, we hear the dire warnings from President Biden and from Anthony Fauci suggesting that it's it's even with these vaccines, we don't have enough vaccine. We're too slow in getting this, the people inoculated. You know, it could be into the fall. It could be into next year. So we're back to at least some sense of normalcy. And you wonder, you know, what what that ends up meaning and what the summer of 2021 is going to look like for all sorts of outdoor events and including like concert venues and things of the like. It also raises this very, very large question that we talked about the other day, which is the the Olympics. The Tokyo Olympics are supposed to start, I believe, July 23rd, which is now, you know, less than six months from now. We just got done with a conversation about how borders are closing and how the coronavirus is running rampant. Now, I understand 30 days from now, 60 days from now, it, it can be a completely different look. But from the perspective of visitors traveling, for example, to the Tokyo Olympics, I, I, I mean, I just don't see how that's going to happen in large numbers in six months because people need to make their, their arrangements. They need to make the, the decision that they're going to go. And I just I find it difficult to believe that you got too many people saying, OK, I'm going to call up a travel agent and plunk down big money to fly to Tokyo in July for something that may or may not happen. I'm just saying that. You know, for a lot of us who thought that 2021 was going to be dramatically different than 2020, maybe by the end of the year, and I do believe that there's light at the end of the tunnel, I'm just hoping that that light isn't a train coming the other way. And for like event organizers like Summerfest and things of the like, I I think there's going to be some tense moments as we try to go from January to the end of June or July or whatever. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Well, that was interesting. In the last segment of the program, we were talking about, you know, the issues that even in 2021, a lot of these entertainment venues have. I mean, Summerfest already losing an entertainer. 
Halsey, who's just said, hey, I'm not I'm not touring this year. So for the second year in a row, you got to cancel that show. And, and you just wonder how many more people are going to be able to do that. And are you, by the time the summer rolls around, are, are you going to be able to have a show in a 23,000 seat venue that has 23,000 people? And, and my guess is probably not. Interesting. Seriously, just a couple minutes ago, I got an um, email from the Brewers. And I am a, a partial season ticket holder for the Brewers. Um, my buddy Evan and I, we we split a pair of seats, and we go to the games together. So, I mean, we, but we've got the 20-pack, and we've got, you know, our, our particular seats, and we've had them for a few years. And, you know, last year, of course, when they canceled, ended up canceling the season, we just passed on. We, we said, okay, we'll just, just just keep the money, and we'll, we'll sign up for this year. So here's the email that just came out. Um, Dear season ticket holder. In anticipation of the 2021, the anticipation of the 2021 season is building, and we can't wait to see you at American Family Field with opening day just two months away. We are preparing several attendance capacity scenarios in the event we open the season with reduced attendance. In other words, 10 percent, 25 percent, 50 percent. We are offering our season ticket holders two options for games played with limited capacity. The first option is to receive a revised temporary seat location for the 2021 season allowing you to obtain all the attend all the games currently in your season ticket plan however um it, it might not be your seats you know they, they're because again they have spread it it's going to have to spread it out um if you if the seats they give you are in a different section that would have cost less money you'll you'll get a credit that you can use so that's one option Keep all the games that you signed up for, but understand that they're going to, they might bounce you to different places because we're social distance, and that's going to depend on what the capacity guidelines are. Second option is to place the value of your season tickets for impacted games into an account credit, which can be used to purchase single-game tickets to limited-capacity games. Season tickets get a priority access to the seats that are available. So you have to end up deciding. I, I kind of made my decision right away, but I sent a note to Evan saying, what do you think about this? But Again, I, I bring this up only because for all of us who thought slash hoped that things would be back to normal by the 2021 baseball season, that doesn't look like it's going to be the case. I mean, I, you know, for the Bucks playing at Fiserv, my guess is sometime between now and the end of the season, th- they'll open it up so that you have some people in there, but a full house, just don't see it, it happening. And again, I just, I'm very, very sympathetic because can you imagine, you know, again, this is all of these different businesses and venues. They're, they're trying to deal with this and nobody's happy about it. And it's a frustration and it costs them money. They don't want to end up doing it. They're just trying to do the best that they can. Okay. A number of years ago, the state Supreme Court struck down the residency rules. Um, Back in 2000, up until 2013, what happened was the um, what happened was the city of Milwaukee, for example, had had required employees. If you want to work for the city, you had to work within the limits 
of the city. And city employees hated that for a, a wide variety of reasons. The argument in favor of residency rules was if you're going to work in a community, you should have to spend money in that community as opposed to take it somewhere else. And then you're a part of the community. You you know the community better. Now, I'm not sure that that second part was actually ever really true. I mean, most of the cops, for example, lived in the northwest side of Milwaukee. So if you worked in the near south side, you're, you're, the communities really weren't connected. And, and candidly, you could live in south Milwaukee and be closer to your district than you could if you lived, you know, way in the extreme northwest part of the city. But those were some of the arguments that ended up, you know, being made. On the flip side, a lot of the police and a lot of the firefighters said, you know, we, we, you, we shouldn't, our job shouldn't hold us prisoners in, in these particular areas. And the argument that I think was very, very valid was that you, you cost yourself a lot of good employees who, for whatever reason, didn't want to live in the city of Milwaukee. Maybe the deal is, you know, you've gotten married and you want to, you know, you're starting a family and you don't want to deal with MPS and you can't afford to send your kids to private schools or whatever. So you, you want to move to Glendale or you want to move to Mequon or you want to move to Waukesha or you want to move to Wauwatosa. But, you know, your choice is between your job and between where you want to live. Well, in any event, um, the, the legislature, you know, now passed a law forbidding these requirements and, and that that law has been upheld since 2013 um the the most recent numbers that i have say that about 28 percent of city employees including 45 percent of firefighters and police officers now live outside the city now I, that to me that's almost staggering and it it begs this other question about Instead of complaining about residency rules, maybe the the people that run the city should be figuring out what it is about the city that makes almost half of the police and firefighters or 30 percent of all the city employees not want to live there. To, To me... That might be an interesting sort of question. We know the answers. It, it's crime. It's high property taxes. It's crummy schools. But, you know, maybe the easier thing to do would be to deal with some of those problems, figure out, hey, how can we make the city more desirable for people to want to live? But I, I'm not the mayor. I'm not a member of the Common Council. In any event, one of the things that they have been doing to try to encourage firefighters and cops to live in the city is they've been paying them slightly more. All right. You've got a bonus for living in the city. Well, what the Common Council has just done is they've tried to sweeten the pot a little bit more because just paying a little bit extra money isn't obviously working. So here here's the idea. What they are saying is if you are a firefighter or you are a police officer, what they will do is when you are applying for a promotion, trying to advance, you will get what they call preference points. Um, So you have an incentive if you want to stay with the department and you want to get promoted to um, sergeant or you want to get promoted to, you know, what whatever you want to move up the ranks, you will have an advantage if you can demonstrate that you've been, you know, in the city for two years. Now, I mean, of course, the, the positive of this is, yes, if people want to advance in the rank, up the ranks, make more money, get the higher paid, obviously better jobs, well, it gives you an incentive to want to live in the city. The flip side of this, though, 
is that you're not hiring necessarily the best people. I mean, and I guess that's that's the question. If you have, I don't know, if you have two police officers who are up for the position of sergeant, for example, do you want the best qualified candidate to get promoted to sergeant, or do you want the guy who's perhaps less qualified but now goes to a higher rank on the promotion list because he or she, you know, lives on 80th and Good Hope as opposed to living in in Waukesha County. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I understand what they're trying to do. They're, they're trying to give the carrot to induce people to live in the city. My problem, though, is especially given the fact that you've got police offices, uh, the number of positions being cut, that you have crime running rampant, that you have all-time record homicide levels, I think you need the very best people in these various positions. And if by giving residency points means that we are going to be promoting some less qualified candidates over others simply because of where they live, I think that's the wrong thing for the city at this point in time. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I also think if you do this, depending on how it will work out, you might have the effect of, again, driving good police officers and firefighters out of the the jobs entirely because if they want to advance but they say hey i I mean in order to advance i've got to move back into the city if that ends up being the case again just just look for more people to be looking for jobs at suburban police departments and if you're losing your best and brightest is that really the way to go 855-616-1620 we discuss Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jim in Wauwatosa. Hi, Jim. Oh, hi. What do you um, think? I think that it, I believe that it would be a good idea to have police officers living in the city um, if they... Oh. Okay, well, but let me stop you. That, that that ship has sailed. So we're not talking about residency rules now because they, they don't have to. Oh, no. So now we're talking about promotions. Do, do you think that the people yeah. who get promote you should get promoted, you get preference based on if you live in the city or not? Just the promotions? Yeah. Yeah, I think that would be a good idea, too, because it also does the same thing. It allows the police officers to live in the neighborhood and the supervisors would know the area, know the people, have a... Okay, but let, let me stop you, and I'm sorry, I hate to interrupt, but, but police officers don't I, I don't, I don't want to say exclusively, but as a general rule, back when they had residency, police officers didn't live in the neighborhood, some did, but most didn't live in the neighborhoods where they worked. I mean, so, you know, you had a, they might live in the city, but all, all, a large number of cops lived on the extreme northwest side, you know, so like Highway 100 and Good Hope out, out there. So, and, and so if, let's say they're assigned to, you know, one of the south side police districts, it, it's not like they lived in the district, rolled out of bed and, and walked two blocks to their, to their, to their apartment. They, they could have lived in South Milwaukee actually and been closer to, you know, their precinct than they were where they lived. One of my good friends was a police officer, um, and they, there was, I don't know if there still is, 
but there was an incentive to live in the neighborhood too. I don't know if they still have that, but that was uh, another piece that they tried to do to have the officers be in the community that they police, and he took advantage of it. Yeah, well, thanks. I mean, I, Jim, I mean, I, I guess I, I, under, I understand that the reality was that I, I think many of the police, I won't say most, but but many of them lived in certain enclaves. So, I mean, I understand, for, for me, residency, the, the argument, the more compelling argument is you work in the community, you make money in the community, you should live in the community and pay property taxes in the community and spend your money in the community. To me, while I don't necessarily think that that should be the overwhelming and the, the overriding decision, that one at least makes sense. The idea that you're going to be more tuned into the community, I, I just, I, I guess I don't see that because I don't think that's what the reality was. And, and even though I can that you might have had, you know, a, an officer or two that lived in these certain areas. The reality was the police officers, they're, they're human. They don't want to, they know where the bad parts of the city are. They know where the high crime areas are. They don't want to live in there. They don't want to raise their families there as a general rule. I mean, they, they want what everybody wants. You want, you know, good schools. You want a safe environment, you know. And, and so th- that's, I think, what the, the practical matter is. I mean, I, I do understand the, the argument for residency rules, but that ship has fa- sailed. Now, I guess my question is, okay, by, give, by making rev- residency a preference, meaning people, and the, the effect of it is going to be less qualified people will get promoted because of where they choose to live. I mean, is that is that good for the overall community? Let's talk to, um, let's see, Mike. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. What do you think? I think any time you hire or promote, as this case is, on the basis of anything other than merit, you run into problems, big problems. Well, yeah. I, I don't mean, think it's good. I think it's, uh, it has an adverse effect on the community, actually. And speaking realistically, as you were saying, and this is true in Chicago as well, the cops live on the southwest side and the northwest side. They don't live in the inner city, yet they have the same residency requirement as you guys do. So yeah. um, I don't agree with it on more than one level. Yeah, no, thank I, I, Right, it, it, because, and I guess as I try to play this out, I, I'm trying to... I'm kind of trying to imagine how this works out. Let's say you have a really good young police officer who, who you know, has a very, very bright future, and his he lives in Wauwatosa. He, he lives with his wife and his two kids in, in Wauwatosa for whatever reasons, or lives with his, one, his wife and his one child in Wauwatosa, and his wife's expecting, and they're, they're going to have a second kid, and, you know, they, they want the school system that's out there. They want a little bit more property, you know, wh- whatever. They, they like the community feel, et cetera, et cetera. So now you're in a situation where the officer wants to advance in his career. He says, okay, well, this is the next logical step, and he's at a certain point in the promotion list, but he sees other people who are less qualified than him objectively who are getting the, the gig because, you know, they – live on the northwest side of Milwaukee as opposed to living in Wauwatosa. Well, all right, what's the more likely situation that's going to happen? Honey, let's sell the house, let's pick up, and let, let's move back to Milwaukee and deal with MPS and all these other stuff. Or is it, okay, well, now's the time, maybe I need to look at 
seeing if there's a spot on the Wauwatosa Police Department or on the Waukesha County Sheriff's Department or whatever. And and if that's how this plays out, how is it in the interest of the city of Milwaukee to be losing those qualified sort of people? Now, I, I do think if, if if you want to give financial incentives for people to live in the city of Milwaukee. To me, I, I, it's, I understand that. And if you want to pay people more with the idea being, hey, we're going to pay people a little bit more and let them live in the city because then they'll be giving that money back because they're paying property taxes. I, I understand that. But giving preferences on promotion, um, you know, wow. Jeff, spending money in the community, the mayor shops at Pick and Save on 68th and State, which is Wauwatosa. Jeff, I'm a retired police officer for 30 years. I don't think that this could pass the smell test. It looks like another form of discrimination to me based off residency alone. I think if there would be a lawsuit, the city would lose. Don't know. Jeff, unfortunately, the PC world will not like this, but we live in a world where numerous people are given promotions where there are better qualified people for the job. I don't like it, but it's the reality. Well, in this case, though, it, it's just, it, it's there, there might be better qualified people who get passed over, but in this case, it's just, it's sort of blatant. Uh, Jeff, I would hate to live next door to the criminal I just arrested who will probably get off with a slap on the wrist. The promotion should go to the best officer, um, period. Jeff, this sounds like a PR move to make the department look good. Well, I, I don't know. I just the last thing that the city of Milwaukee needs right now is to run off the the best and the brightest. Jeff, um, if a community is good enough to work in, why isn't the employee willing to live there? Well, that's the question that I have been asking. It's ra- rather than saying, "Gee, we've got to figure out ways that we can convince these forty eight percent of the cops and firefighters to move back in," so let's create incentives. Maybe you should be looking at why they moved out in the first place. What what is that that was driving them, and then fix that underlying cause. Jeff, promotion should be based on his or her ability not where they live. Jeff, I disagree with this policy. I want the best applicant to get to the promotion. I don't care where you live. If you are the best of the rest, I want you. Jeff, I think this is awful. How is it legal to do it with taxpayers' money? No wonder nobody wants to live in Milwaukee. Well, the big concern is going to be, um, the big concern is going to be, you know, who wants to stay in Milwaukee? Jeff, one of my best friends was a Milwaukee police officer. He left for West Allis, took a pay cut just to get out of MPD. What does that tell you? Doing this residency stuff isn't going to change a thing. When you have officers scattering to neighborhood communities just to get out of certain areas of Milwaukee, and do you do you blame them? I... I, nobody asks these questions because I understand that, you know, the Common Council, it's all this kind of like rubber stamp thing. Here's what we're going to do. We're not going to promote the best and the brightest. We're going to try to put in these clauses that incentivize people to do it. Well, it's not going to work, and I think it's going to be counterproductive, but that's just me. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. All right, let's switch it up a little bit this hour. I understand everybody is still recovering from that, that Packers game yesterday. And matter of fact, during the break, my producer, Gru, and I were talking. And I, I had mentioned earlier, I, I was at my friend Evan's house, and his wife put on this great spread and stuff. But right, right as soon as the game ends, and actually... Once it was apparent with like a minute, really after, 
after that pass interference call, and I don't want to go into whether it was a good call or not, but after that, when it was apparent all I had to do was run out the clock, got up, thanked my host and hostess for their wonderful hospitality, put on my coat, was out the door. And, Grew, you know, you, you mentioned that, you know, once... When the Packers lose games like that, it's just nobody wants to stick around afterwards. It's just out the door. Yeah, or or just in general. It doesn't have to be Packers, but any sort of gutting loss, which for Wisconsin sports fans happens all the time. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, whenever there's a viewing party, it's you're not you're not hanging around. There's no lingering. You I, you get you get out of Dodge right away. Well, uh, uh, b- before COVID. I would frequently watch Packers games with some of my buddies at, at this dive bar in Cedarburg or, or other dive bars, but most recently at this dive bar in Cedarburg. And you're, you're exactly right. That was a very astute observation because, you know, at, at if they're winning, the, the, bar, the bar stays full. Everybody sticks around, you know, has maybe one more round and stuff, you know, and ev- everybody sticks around. If they're losing, the place, boom, people are just out the door, and the, the bar is empty by the time the, the, that final uh, whistle blows. Yeah, Kaylee and I were watching the game with some friends in our bubble over at, at, at their house, and it was literally, I mean, even with, you know, 90 seconds left in the game, we realized that yeah. the game was pretty much done, and we're like, yeah, once once the clock hits zero, I think we're going to go home. But yeah, if yeah. they would have won, we would have stayed oh, for maybe another drink oh, or whatever. Oh, oh, absolutely no. And that was it. I, actually, I heard I heard the end of the game. I was listening to Wayne's call because well, again, once the, once they called the pass interference thing, Packers had no timeouts left or one timeout. They were just going to run out the clock. I didn't need to watch it. Didn't need to see it. Wanted to drive home. But as I was saying earlier, it, once I got home and the dog came and you know wanted to go out and wanted to play ball and stuff, I realized. Okay, it, at the end of the day, it is just just kind of a game, and you can you know you can move on from from that. All right, I want to lighten it up. Just um, I I call this segment. I didn't think I needed it or wanted it, but now I'm not sure I could live without it. And here, let me just kind of back into this topic. Um, for for years and years, my I drove I drove a 2010 Ford Escape. And it was a, kind of a bare bones. This was, it was 2010, and I'm not saying they didn't have these features at the time, but if they did, I, I didn't put them in the car. Didn't have a rear view, you know, camera. Didn't have those those side view mirrors that tell you when there's somebody, the blind spot mirrors. I didn't have that. I didn't have um, a navigation system. Well, I, I was able to live with all that, but. What, what I really, I, I had gadget envy because I had a buddy of mine, my friend Jack, who, who had at the time, he had a Lexus and he had heated seats. And we would go to Marquette games and, and we'd alternate driving and Jack would come and he would pick me up and it'd be a cold Tuesday night in January and I'd get in the front seat of the car and you turn on those heated seats and 35 seconds later, your, your butt is warm. Now, I understand it's a luxury. I understand it's something you didn't need, but I had gadget envy because I did not have these heated seats. And I'm like... God, I really want heated seats. I really want heated seats. So finally, I get around a number of years later to to buying a, a vehicle, bought a, a Honda SUV, and the thing I went in and I said, "Look, I gotta have heated seats." <laughs> you know, it just because I I understand it's a luxury, but I can afford it. I want heated seats. And so what what happened is to to buy the model that you had with the heated seats, I, I ended up getting the rear view mirror camera, and I got the you know all these bells and whistles. I'm still not sure I know exactly everything that's on there, but I, I got the blind. Spot 
spot monitors that I really like that tells you if somebody's in your blind spot and things like that. But it had it had the heated seats. And to buy the one that I had, it, it came with a navigation system, you know, the things that you know where you you put in where you want to go and it puts up the map on the screen. And and I got to really like that. So came time for me to buy a, another car and I, I bought a car a couple of weeks ago and Honda, I bought another Honda, and, and they've kind of changed it because I, I don't exactly know what the deal is, but for their navigation systems, you, you have to buy in the SUV. They, they, they don't come on the the, the medium-priced model. doesn't come with navigation anymore, and you can't put it in. And so they, they say, well, it's, it's kind of redundant. People don't need it anymore. They've got Apple CarPlay and stuff like that. That's all well and good. I wanted the navigation system for a variety of reasons. So I had to upgrade to whatever their their higher model was. And so it comes with all these other bells and whistles, most of which I did not want, uh, but but they come with it. You know, if you wanted the navigation, you had to get all the other stuff. And so one of the things that was on there, a heated steering wheel. I have never had a heated steering wheel on my cars, and I've always thought, "Eh, why would you want a heated steering wheel? Well, I'm here to tell you. I am I am born again hard when it comes to this thing because you know I, I've had the car for like two weeks and you know it's been cold in Wisconsin. You get into the car in the morning or you get in the car after work and it's freezing. You hit this button and within thirty seconds the thing is warm. It's it's actually even hot and I'm going boy this is really cool. Now I never thought I needed it and I admit it is a it is a luxury and I wouldn't have necessarily paid extra just to get it. But now that I have it, I just absolutely love. This heated steering wheel. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accunate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This was something that I never thought I needed. And I really guess I don't need it. Um, never really wanted it. But now that I have it, I just absolutely love it. Is there something like that in your life? <laughs> you know, you, you, you didn't necessarily need it. You didn't necessarily even want it. But, but now that you have it, you just absolutely love it. And, and maybe it's an automobile. Maybe it's, I never thought I'd want to have Netflix, but I've signed up on Netflix and now I can't get enough of it. Something that you never thought you'd want or need in your lifetime, but you ended up with it. Now it's like, wow, I really like this. 855-616-1620. For me, it was the heated steering wheel. We discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, so I had this experience. I, I never thought I, I'd want a heated steering wheel in a car. Never thought I needed it. Didn't understand. Well, the car I got, it came with it in the model with the stuff I wanted on it. Honest to goodness, over the last couple of weeks, I mean, you know, cold Wisconsin morning, you push this button, all of a sudden, your steering wheel is heated. Now, I understand this is a first world conversation, but I'm thinking, wow. I got to imagine for you, there, there's something out there that I don't know. Maybe you never thought you needed it. You never thought you wanted it. Now that you have it, you're really glad that you do. Sue in Heartland. Sue, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. I have two things. The first one is this um, bagel slicer. It's like a mini guillotine that you have on your counter. You stick your bagel in, and it just chops it in half. Perfect every time. <laughs> a bagel slicer. Okay. Yes, I never thought I needed it. Now I can't live without it. Okay. All right. Works for me. And then the second thing that I never 
planned on, thought I'd need, thought I could live with whatever, my kids. <laughs> well, right. Every day <laughs> yeah. is an adventure. It's the best thing on the planet. It, well, well, that's and matter of fact, so. one of my texters said that my my she says my husband, you know, which would be the same sort of thing. Never necessarily thought I wanted it. No, never thought no, I needed it, but but it's the husband. Yeah, uh, that that didn't make the list. <laughs> oh, ooh, thanks for the call. Ooh, okay. Let's talk to uh, Scott in Elkhorn. Scott, you're on WTMJ. Jeff, good afternoon. How are you today? Real well, thanks. What do you think? What what's yours? Well. My kid for Christmas got one of these, and here's a free plug. It's a, called the Box Legend. It's the T-shirt laundry plastic folder thingamajig, and I borrowed it for to do my shirts and wound up doing all my drawers, my closet, and my wife's drawers. And now everything's <laughs> neatly folded. It's it's addictive. Okay. It's, it's just it's, it's awesome. Okay. Well, thank, I hope my wife isn't listening because she that, that's the kind of thing that she'd jump on. Um, let's see, Jeff, my iPad um that's my ipad um jeff um expensive work boots they're boots that you destroy on job sites but i feel the difference at the end of the day the difference between a 50 dollar pair of boots versus a 200 dollar pair of boots is amazing i've always felt that way about clothes i mean nowadays it's not as important but when i first started practicing law i bought cheap suits because you wanted to have cheap suits and I just I never felt comfortable in them. They didn't I didn't fit right on me and stuff. And then at some point in time, I, I started saying I'd rather have one nice suit than three cheap suits. And um, never never went back. It just I, I felt better about that. Jeff, for me, it's the smart TV, not one for all the streaming TV stuff. I'm not necessarily one for all the streaming TV stuff, but wow, there's so much content. Yeah, I think there's uh, an element of that. Jeff, I'm with you on the heated steering wheel. It's absolutely the best. Um, Jeff, uh, I guess I'm old, but for me, it's my dishwasher. I never thought that I would want that, but now that I have one, I absolutely love it. Jeff, I would have to say I was adamantly opposed to having a smart house because I didn't want people listening to me, but as I started to put our new house together, I opted for a Google Nest thermostat, and it was all downhill from there. Now every room in my house is completely full of Google Nest products, you know, outer cameras, speakers, smoke detectors, etc. I absolutely love it. Huh, that's very cool. Um, here's somebody that says, um, a um, auto hold. I didn't even know it existed or what it was when they told me I had it in my SUV. Now every vehicle I ever have will need to have this. I don't even know what auto hold is. Do you, Gru? You don't either. Huh. We're going to have to look that up during the break. I don't. I wonder if I have it in my car, but uh, Amy can't live without it. I'm not sure I even know. Um, let's see. Jeff, the thing that... Um, uh, Let's see. Um, the Roomba vacuum. I, I like that. Um, Jeff, embarrassingly, I was one of the last people to get a smartphone about five years ago. Now she needs to talk to my brother-in-law. I didn't think I needed it. Now I can't live without it. I have all that information at my uh, fingertips. Jeff, for me, it's Netflix and Amazon Prime. I never thought I would give up cable, but I binge watch everything. No more live TV. I also save 600 bucks a year. Um, let's see. That's, that's, that's the idea. Jeff, a Kindle. I always said I only wanted to read actual books until my daughter bought me a Kindle. Eight years later, I'm still using the Kindle. Let's talk to, uh, let's see, Jim in Hales Corners. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Jim. Never thought I'd want them, never thought I needed them, but butt warmers in the seats of my Ford Escape. 
love, love, love them because they're so much faster than the engine heating up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, they're instantaneous. I like like I was saying earlier that I I had a buddy for years and years and years. I had a basic car, and I had a buddy that had the heated seats, and he'd pick me up to go to Marquette Games on a cold Tuesday, January night, and you'd get in that car, and honest to goodness, within a couple seconds, you'd be just like toasty warm. <laughs> it's just like yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I had I had gadget. I freely admit I had gadget um, envy. No question about it. Thanks for the call. Here's somebody. Cars these days usually come with a Sirius XM for a trial period. Once having this, I would never give it up. Yeah, that's. I, I'm a big fan of Sirius XM radio as well, and it's it's clearly it is clearly a luxury. Before I had it, I would have said, um, you know, no. But um, eh, now that you have it, it's got it. Somebody mentions a puppy. Yeah, I never thought I'd I'd want a dog. Um, I mean, I always liked dogs, but I never necessarily thought I'd want to have one myself. And now. Um, my dog has just enhanced the quality of my life. Uh, Jeff, the GPS app on my phone, how did people get anywhere before they had it? Well, yeah, you've got that. Um, Jeff, free fly clothing made from bamboo, total opulence, but it's well worth it for everyday wear. Um, Jeff, I never knew I wanted an adjustable base bed, but wow, is it nice. A couple people are saying um, cell phones. Let's talk to Eric and Racine. Eric, you're on WTMJ. Afternoon, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. Um, I would say when when I was bought my car that I just bought back in April of this year, last year, um, I was ready to go with a substandard model. Took it on my wife. She said, "Oh God, that's so ugly. We got to take it back." And she got me into a 2020 Camry XSE. Okay. Beautiful car, all black, all red leather interior. And it had heated and cooled front seats for both the passenger and the driver. Yep. So that was number one. I'm like, wow, that is awesome. It has a a HUD display, a heads-up display, right in front of the driver that shows up on the the windshield. Right. So you don't have to look down at your gauges. Right. It's all right there. And I'm like, wow, (laughs) I never had that before. Um, Never thought you needed it. The whole car was... Yep. Right, exactly. No, and I also a, a 360 degree uh, camera. Yeah, th- th- those features. Now, thanks. I mean, I have I have mocked some of these features. I, I know o- over the years. Why would anybody pay extra for that? But once you get these things, it's like, oh, this is tremendous. Uh, Danny and uh, Danny in Kenosha, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey Jeff, how you doing? Real well, thanks. About ten years ago. About 10 years ago, I had a car that I put a auto start in, and I thought that was pretty cool. Only thing, you had to be relatively close to get the car started. Well, my wife just bought a car, and there's a feature where she can start or lock her car from her cell phone anywhere in the world. And I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Ab- no, ab- ab- thing, right. And it's these things. Oh, my gosh. This is neat. Uh, Mike in Marquette, Michigan says, Jeff, my Roku, you can take it anywhere. You have an Internet connection. Find almost anything you want to watch. Fair warning. When you buy one, 
more tend to follow. Yeah, we um, I've got a couple Roku sticks as well. Jeff, for me, it was an attached garage. No more lugging groceries in the snow. Yeah, that makes a big deal. Jeff, I received Alexa with the purchase of a Bose sound system. Love it. It's like finding information on the fly and new music sources. Yes, my wife will always, Alexa, Alexa, set the timer for this. Alexa, set the timer for that. Jeff, instant hot water dispenser on the kitchen sink. So you don't have to wait. That would probably be a pretty cool thing as well if you spend a lot of time in. And a lot of people, a lot of people are saying, yeah, I, I get what you're saying about the uh, the um, heated steering wheel. Look, I admit it's a luxury. I would not have purchased it if it, I did, it came with the package that I wanted. But now that I have it, I, I really, I really appreciate that. When we come back, we'll find out what John and Melissa and Greg have on their minds for Wisconsin's afternoon news. Please stick around.